Welcome to the Our Safe Harbor Church podcast. Here you can listen to our Sunday sermon, Monday morning message, and midweek Bible study. We hope you will consider subscribing, sharing, leaving a review, but please be sure to check out our website at www.OurSafeHarbor.com to learn more about us and find ways to get involved. Our Safe Harbor Church, we are with you wherever you are. Well, hello, church. We are back in the midweek, and we're going to jump right into it because we, we've got a, a series of really good stories here, and it's going to take a lot of time to get through them, but we have time. You have time. Speaking of time, we've thought about going now to 40 minutes because we've heard people say longer or shorter. Send us a little note. See, tell us if you need it to be shorter for your commute, maybe, or your Bible study, your weekly group, or if you need it to be longer for any reason. Let us know. Because we won't know unless you tell us. Info at rsafeharbor.com. And we are in Mark 4.35. And I believe it's my turn to read. So that day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were other boats with him. Got to stop. I like to stop in the middle of a story. A couple of phrases. One Let's go over to the other side, leaving the crowd behind. Well, Jesus is time limited. He knows this. But this is very, very important for all of us to get. Even when you know you have a limited amount of time to get your job done, to make your message plain, you still have to build in downtime, Sabbath. Now, some of you out there are probably thinking right now, well, Patrick, you're working all the time. How can... I get Sabbath in these travels for welcome home tour because mm-hmm. I'm quiet for 10 hours, 12 hours in a car. The next day, there's quiet for several hours before I meet with people. So my Sabbath is built in to my work, but without Sabbath, I couldn't do my work. Mm-hmm. Jesus needs to get away from people every now and then. It almost never works. But in Mark, we see him more often trying to get away than we do the other mm-hmm. gospels. And I have to wonder if Peter wasn't like that sometimes, and that's why he picked up on it, and that's why it's more often in here. We tend to see what, what we, um, we tend to see in Jesus what we, what we see in us, uh, I think sometimes, to bolster us up a bit. But also, they took him along just as he was, and I did want to see, uh, Rick, in your New King James does it use that phrase, just as he was in a boat in verse 36? Uh, as he was. <laughs> as he was. All right, we're going to come back to that. I'm going to see if there's any significance to it in your mind. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern. If you're not boating people, that's the back. Uh, he was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? I love this story. I love this story already. Jesus is asleep. Why? Because God's not panicked. Always remember this. Why isn't God panicked? Because God knows the end of the story. We don't. So we see a storm. <coughs> Excuse me. We see wind and waves. We're terrified. He's not terrified. But then they wake him up. Kind of like we're all going to die here. We don't want you to miss it. 
I mean, what would be his contribution at this point? If they're all bailing, what would Jesus do? If they're all rowing, what do you want him to do? It's, it's basically, God, don't you care? <coughs> Sorry, I don't know why I'm coughing, but I am. The, um, I, I got to admit, I've said this to God. I've said this to God a lot. God, don't you care? Um, and so this story's in here for a reason. He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, quiet, be still. The wind died down. It was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified, which by the way is, is they were more frightened of him now than they had been of the storm. This is an increase in verb power. Mm -hmm. Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. So by any of you out there that were thinking, well, they didn't wake him up so he would watch them die. They woke him up so he, he could save them. No, they were very surprised mm -hmm. at the salvation. Sometimes I am too. Let's talk about this. Um, that rebuke. In Semitic languages, even to this day, if you stay within the Semitic language, there are not words that would, would be um, as sharp as curse words. Anglo-Saxon, that was their lasting contribution to the, the language of the world, are some really horrible curse words that are used now every other word. Um, but there, it's more of a flowery curse or a flowery blessing. Um, and in fact, um, for example, in Hindi and other Southeast Asian languages, they don't have words meaning, you know, horrific, but they will say very, 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 very bad. And so when you're talking to someone from there and they're speaking English, and if they're going, no, 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 they're not being rude. That's how they show how much no they mean mm -hmm. or how much. And so each language has its own character. We bring this over to English. It says, quiet, be still. And we even have a hymn. And I love the hymn, Peace Be Still. And it makes it sound like he's up there just going, peace, be still. That's not rebuking. I, I wonder if he's not rebuking a demon here. Because we know that some uh, of the false gods that called themselves gods, like Baal or others, were storm gods and gods of the water. And, God, and where are they going when they get to the other side? They're going to be dealing with demons. Mm -hmm. I wonder if the demons saw them coming. Could be. We'll talk. But I'll say this and I'll stop because I'm, I'm, I'm taking too much time. Um, Jesus wasn't polite. This was basically, shut up. Stop it. Mm -hmm. I brought that up in a sermon once. A girl, probably 10 years old, came up to me afterwards and said, you said, shut up. I said, yes, I did. She goes, my parents say, you, you can't say that. And, you know, I, first thing, I had to stop myself because my first thing was, oh, shut up. And, and then I realized, don't say that. This would be a bad thing. <laughs> but I had to explain to her that these words were more fierce than the translation seems to indicate. Mm -hmm. Or it's not a rebuke. But um, so much here, when you see this, I'm, I'm, I'm still... I have no concept on what they mean by just as he was. The leaving is important. The sleeping during the storm is important. I mean, what do you see here that, whether I've mentioned it or not, that you'd like to bring out and elucidate? And 
okay. Uh, th th this is, um, I, I love the miracle um, stories. And I think, um, and just as an aside as you bring it out, um, when you're dealing with people, um, uh, nationalities, groups, race, whatever, and, and there has been s specific systemic oppression uh, of those people, mm -hmm. the miracle stories are always going to be hugely important. And you will rarely get through any kind of message, message on whatever the message is unless a miracle comes through, through with it. Um, because it is important, uh, um, and because first of all, it it keeps God on His throne. In other words, God's got mm -hmm. this thing in control. We're going through this as a group of people. We're going through this as a gender of people. We're going through this as a nation. We're going through this, but but God is always still on, on in control, uh, and and especially when you get into black preaching. Um, in North America, uh, um, those miracle stories figured significantly because that's how you keep people together, you know, and that's how you get them to understand that God is God, that you're going through what you're going through, um, but God is with you. Not to become otherworldly, and there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of uh, point, finger pointing on, on that, is that you believe that God is going to clear up everything on the other side, otherworldly in, in heaven. And that's not what it is. Uh, uh, um, you're going through some things right now, and God is feeling this. Um, he's with you in this. Uh, um, but you can't ever, you can't ever get on, on the side of thinking, you know, God picked me out to pick on me. Uh, um, because if you get over there, you start feeling, why should I care? Why should I? And then you get into very um, damaging um, thinking and self-mutilation. Start doing things to yourself to destroy you or sabotage your ability to get down to the road. Or you stop feeling and caring. And therefore, you get into lifestyles where you spiral you know, out, out of control. Um, and so these miracle stories figure significantly because they give people hope and they remind them that God is in control, you know, and th this is a human experience, but I don't have to succumb to, to what a human is doing to me, um, you know, which is, which yeah. is significantly ve um, very important. And so with that being Jesus as, as he was, you remember Jesus, he, they had to get him out of there really quick. Uh, uh, just because of, of what the people were doing around him, you know, as he was feeding people, and, and we we kind of opened that door a little bit. Before, as he was feeding people and stuff like that, they were looking at him like, okay, that's 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 the guy right there. Um, but but um, and as we mentioned just in the prior lesson, Jesus is saying, no, you, you know, I, you're not going to enthrone me on the fact that. I fed you yesterday. You got to understand that that the food for your belly was to let you know what I'm doing with your spirit and soul and for your whole journey. And so taking him as he was, I believe, really was the concept of we got out of there quick. You know, in other words, there wasn't time to notify anybody. You know, um, we had the little boats together, you know, and we needed and specifically we needed to get away for for to rest, but also, you know, to be able for the people 
to kind of calm down within the, because this thing was rising up to a fever, okay. to a fever pitch. And so I think that that's more of the occasion there uh, um, to them uh, because it was, sometimes you read about Jesus, you know, saying goodbye to somebody or visiting this person's house on their way out. Well, this is not that time. And, that, and increasingly as we move through the gospel story, and the miracles, well, the gospel stories, we'll start picking up that, that Jesus is, is, you'll start getting a sense he's on the run more, if that makes, you know, he's moving a little bit faster. He's, he's moving with deliberate determination because there's some place he's got to be. Uh, mm-hmm. um, and one of the gospels, I think it's the widow of Nain, Jesus is going into the city and there's a death party yes. coming out of the city, you know, and he stopped long enough, to, you know, to heal, heal that. But if you read that narrative in there, you, you really get a sense that Jesus said, I got to go. You, you know, I mean, I got to be at the next one. But he stopped long enough to, to do this thing. So, you, oh, yeah. you, you know. I always wanted that to be longer. Yeah. That seemed like such a dramatic moment. Yeah. I really wanted that story to unspool. <laughs> but it doesn't. Yeah. yeah. The, um, can I go on a little bit more? Oh, please. Yeah. Okay. Uh, um, <clears throat> when he gets into the storm... Um, the great windstorm arose, and then um, uh, Jesus, they wake him up. He speaks to the storm, stuff like that. Okay, we're reading out of Mark, but what I want to do is go back over to Matthew. Okay. Because Matthew fills in all where the swells are and where the gushes are. Matthew fills that in. And so uh, Matthew 14 um, is, is um, what I think would just really be great. Uh, and so kind of put your finger there, Matthew chapter 14. And, but just for one second, I want to go to Matthew, I believe it's um, Matthew 8. Matthew chapter, let me see if I did get that one right. Yeah, Matthew chapter 8, beginning at verse number 23. Beginning at verse number 23 of Matthew 8. We're only going to stay here for a second and then go back to Matthew 14. So you know, kind of follow with me here. Uh, starting at verse number 23. Now, when he got into a boat, his disciples followed him, and suddenly a great tempest arose on the sea so that the boat was covered with waves, but he was, he was asleep. Then his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us. We are perishing. But he said to them, Why are you fearful, O you of little faith? That kind of looks like what Mark is. Okay. Mm-hmm. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the sea, and there was a calm. So the men marveled, saying, who can this be that even the winds and the sea obey him? Okay, that's Matthew. Yeah. All right. Read that over again. So the men marveled, saying, who can this be that even the winds and the sea obey him? Now, this is chapter 8. Okay. In chapter 14. Okay. Uh, um, chapter 14. Okay. And immediately, at, starting at verse 31. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why, why did you doubt? Okay, now th- that word doubt there means to, the Greek behind the word means to stand uncertainly, you know, at the divergence uh, of a point, two points breaking off as, as, a, as a path diverges. Um, it breaks into two. It goes different directions. So it means to stand at the point where something is getting ready to break in front of you. You know, the path can go either way and you've got to choose something. Why did you doubt? And so then you have to ask yourself the question, okay, he's talking to Peter. Why did, why all of a sudden did Peter start doubting 
you know, when he'd been in the boat, Jesus was doing everything that he was doing. So why, why are you dying? Why are you now? Why is your mind now kind of slipping? Why, why is it now trying to vacillate between what you want, what I need you to do, and what you think you ought to do? Okay, so that's where that's coming up. So he's asking, why did you doubt? So as he's talking to really the disciples too, why, why did you doubt? You were on the course. You were going right where I need you to go. What happened, you know, that caused you to doubt? What, what is it? Okay, so that's a question that we have to ask ourselves. We're going along with Christ. We may actually, there was a, um, a uh, Snoopy um, um, cartoon in the newspaper year, years ago. Uh, um, you know, the little dog, mm-hmm. you know, and he had the little bird, the little bird, I forget what the little bird's name Woodstock. was. Woodstock. <clears throat> you know, and um, I think it was Woodstock that, that said, you know, in there, boy, this has been a perfect day. I've done this right, I've done this right, and, and done this right, you know, and this is going to be, this is going to be great. I've done all this. I feel like I've really done something. Now when I get out of bed, maybe <laughs> we'll see if the rest of the day goes, you know, yeah. goes, it goes as, as follow. Okay. And so he says, um, at verse 32, and when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, or when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those who were in the boat came and worshiped him, saying, truly, you are the son of God. Now, at verse 8, when they looked at him, because that's a different miracle story, is, yeah. they said, what manner of man is this? What, what are you? By the time they get to this next storm on the sea, they're not asking what manner of person, what manner are you? They're saying, this is the Son of God. Do you see that growth? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That good growth, that thing came right along with it, that growth, that growth came. He's no longer, you know, you are special. You're saying, you are the Son of God. That's how your life journey is. And, it's, and God does not love you more at one point than he does at the other. We learn to love him more because we realize that he's really been carrying me. He's really done this. This is what I owe him. Okay, and so that is significant. Now, and then the most probably telling point here is let's go back then. We're still in Matthew 14, but um, verse 29. So he said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Okay. And then when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. All right. When they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Um, Mark tells us that, but not with the drama. Okay. Right. Now the sea, you got a picture. The sea is in turmoil. It's being tossed. They thought they were going to lose their life for sure. Jesus is asleep. He's acting like he does not care because and it's not that he does not care about them. He does not care about what sin is going on in the world because he already knows I've got the fix in on it. I've got the lock. Satan is not going to come out of this thing ahead in your life or in anything around you. And I'm not saying you're not going to go through some stuff. I'm not saying you're not going to feel like falling off. That's not it. But you're not going to go through. And then when we brought Peter on, when Peter stepped on the deck of the boat, the Bible says the wind ceased. Okay, and that's where the text stops. What you have to understand is the picture that he's painting. The wind ceased as if it knew its job was over. The storm stopped as if it knew, okay, I've done what I needed to do. I'm through. That's Jesus. 
the, the wind ceased. All he tells you is it ceased as if it knew its job. So he said, okay, this is, he, Jesus could say, okay, this is enough. Y'all calm down. The point is over. But he didn't. He said the wind ceased as if it knew its job is over. That's under the control of Jesus. Okay, so imagine when you're going through something again. Um, your child's in the hospital. Maybe you are pregnant and the doctors are telling you there's something not right going on here with this child. Maybe you're in your office and things have been going well and so you, you know, you've got some nice th things around you and then they tell you all of a sudden that, you know, that we're not going to need you. Um, or maybe um, you are a pastor in a church and the church says, you, you know what, you know, this, this, this um, if everybody going to heaven, why are we here with you? So we need to get somebody else that makes <laughs> us feel good. You know, so maybe, you know, maybe you need to tone this stuff down or, or maybe do it or whatever the things of life. Or maybe you have a friend and the friend is sick, um, you know, going through some things medically and there's nothing You've done all you can do. You've prayed. You've assisted them in whatever ways that they need. Um, you know, but it's, it's between them and eternity, you know, and God working out. And so how do you get through this? As the storm, the wind, the storm ceased as if it knew its job was over. That's what you have to put in there in order to understand where Jesus is taking that to. It ends here because that's what they need you to see. But what on the inside, Jesus always in his miracles calmed the storm on the inside before he ever did anything about the storm on the outside. In other words, when Jesus shows up in these stories, he's always speaking to the inside, to their hope, to their dreams, to their life. He'll speak to that. He calmed the storm just like here. He calmed the storm on the inside. Then he, then he started dealing with the storm on the outside. Peace be still. All right. That's the power of walking with Jesus. That's what this faith thing is all about. It's not it's not if my communion thing is absolutely 100 percent right on on a Sunday. Uh, um, it's, it's not whether I ha have done some ritual thing with God. You know, it's where is, is your heart with God and where is your love for him? You know, and, and how how are you moving forward and how are you looking at yourself and I'm, I'm going to better this and I'm working it. You know, because Jesus is always speaking of that storm on the inside because if he calms the storm on the outside and does nothing for the storm on the inside, you're going to be perennially living in a hell and in an internal hell and wondering why isn't God doing anything for me? Why do I feel like killing myself? Why, why do I go through, you know, that kind of stuff? Mm -hmm. okay. Did I get too far out there? With, with no, that? you're good. Okay. You're good. Okay. So that's why we're, and that's, so Mark is so short. We had, Matthew just mm -hmm. paints the thing a little bit better. Um, and, and Mark will always be short when Peter's in a bad light. Because <laughs> exactly. Because <laughs> these are Peter's messages and he leaves that out often. Okay. Um, you know, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? <clears throat> The thing is, in verse 40 uh, of Mark 4, I'm sure he has said that to me many times in my life because, um, you know, the, the comedian Woody Allen, back before all of his other issues, made the news, and he was just looked upon as a director, writer, uh, and comedian. He cribbed off of um, Alexander Graham Bell's no, it wasn't that. Samuel Morris, I think the first telegraph sent was, what hath God wrought? And Woody Allen said, what hath God wrought lately? And his audience laughed. Well, when I, I heard that when I was a teenager mm -hmm. on a record, I think, 
Uh, I'm not going to explain what records are to those of you under 40. Um, and I can think, my first thought was, well, that's blasphemous. But in my life, I've had God save me many times. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I got to that point, the diversion point, and I could have taken the wrong road very easily. Sometimes I did, and he diverted me back. You know, uh, but, and then the next time it comes up, I end up doubting him as if he's never helped me before. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not proud of that, but it's a reality, so I share it. That, um, you know, I look, upon, uh, I look upon my own life and find that Jesus saves me. I say, thank you. And the next time I wonder, will he save me? Mm-hmm. But we also see this a lot in the dying. Uh, I... I've worked with a lot of dying people because in neuroscience you do that, in psychology you do that, uh, but also as a pastor you do that. And I don't know what the experience is in, in the black church or in your personal family. I find that there are those who take their last breath with joy and have no doubt along the way. But then there are others And I don't want to say the majority, because to do that, I'd have to have a larger sample size. But in my experience, a lot of very faithful Christians stumble with fear those last couple of years or the last couple of months when they know they're dying. And it's almost as if, I hope I put my bet on the right side of the table. And my response to them always is that you're fine. You're covered by grace. You are saved. If you doubt, welcome to the human race Mm -hmm. because Jesus' best friends doubted. Mm -hmm. And then I remind them that they're not afraid of death. They're afraid of dying and that all of us are afraid of dying. Mm -hmm. That process is completely unique for each person. It's never been walked before. Nobody can walk with you, although hospice people are angels. Mm -hmm. But doubt is not sin. Doubt that makes you freeze in place and look for someone other than Jesus to save you can certainly turn into sin. Mm -hmm. But doubt by itself is not sin. It is part of being human and not knowing the entire story. Um, I'll toss it back over to you. You can... You can go with that or we can move on. It's up to... Uh, oh, man. This, this is... Uh, <laughs> it, yeah, yeah. yeah you, you, we can change the world talking about the, these miracles <laughs> through here. Yeah, I love it. Um, I want to bring up a, a, a name, and that is um, James Cone. James Cone, and f- for those many in the audience who will recognize the name, some of you might not. Some of you may have heard of uh, liberation theology mm-hmm. and or um, third world theology, and that's... That's in today's thinking, we've come to understand that maybe third world isn't the best way to right, to talk about that. Nations, yeah. So yeah, and so it's uh, so and it falls under. But anyway, it calls right. comes under that liberation. Well, James Cone particularly um, dealt with um, uh, his seminal book was was Black Theology, Black Black Power, and it, and it was not talking about Black power, the street thug, aggressive. The, what that that wasn't it. It was black power, like 
what is white power? What, you know, what is Latina power? It was that kind of thing. Black, you know, black theology. Black how, how do these do these things work together, or how does one, um, how does theology speak to one, and how does you know the street and the learning and what's going on in people's lives speak to the other? Well, James Cone is the one that advanced that that whole foundation. In other words, how do you look at at the life of Christ? You know, and how do how do you look at the Christ? life of Christ without understanding that he came to heal, you know, and sustain and put back together, you know, and to make sure that people treat each other fairly and go forward. How, how do you call yourself a Christian if you don't get that from, you know, what Jesus is doing? And he, um, and a thought came across in his writing was he called it the doubt of faith, the doubt of faith. If you don't have some doubt about where you're going on this journey, there's a good chance that your faith, um, you know, hasn't progressed and strengthened along that journey as you think it has. You know, because if you are a person of significant faith, you're going to have had some significant doubts along the way. And he said the doubts, you know, are not to betray or demean you as a person. They're there to increase your faith. And to get you to go forward and move in it, you know, um, because you start, when you start doubting, you go back and rethinking, you start, you know, questioning, you start. And the majority of times when you do that, you come out with fresh ways of looking and seeing. And he said, well, look at America, look at the way we're going. If you do not have a doubt, you know, in, in your faith, then where have you been? Because, you know, Jesus is, is moving you all. We're moving through some territories where we hurt about the things that we see around us and the conditions that are around us. You know, and why can't I do more? Why does the nation do more? That, that's a doubt there, you know, and, um, but the doubt does not become a paralysis. The, 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 you you know, it yeah. does not lock you down, but it opens you up to keep thinking about what God is doing. What am I seeing? What do you want me to do? And he calls it the, the, the doubt of faith. And he took a lot of heat, a lot of heat, because that was an underlying fact that, that you're going to live with this doubt. Okay, um, and then kind of bringing it forward to um, people that are are nearing death, maybe or either they death is looming out there somewhere, and if a person has been, and you find this more so in very legalistic faith traditions, um, almost by mandate you're going to find them in legalism because legalism, the way legalism and religion works is they try they they force people to think a certain way about us in this particular group and we're the in crowd with Jesus and nobody else is in with him but us okay and so when we do that on this human level then basically we take Christ off the throne all right and we put his his bible on the throne and uh, people ah. might say, people might say, oh, okay, Rick, <laughs> okay, you got to help me now. You, you know, you've been teaching a while, <laughs> so run on with that again. Uh, um, okay, g give me an example. We were in, when I was working on one of my degrees, uh, I don't know if I was a doctor, we, we had a speaker from, from Africa. No, there was a speaker, we were being told the story about a speaker, he was from Africa. And he took the, the Bible and he read the, the Bible. And then he took it over to the window and threw it out the window. And, and he said, I just threw your Jesus out the window. You, you know, so what do you think of that? 
you, you know, because, because the literal interpret, they were following the literal interpretation. And they said, this is not where Jesus was going. He was pointing you toward the real life internal of what you do. So now that I just threw your Jesus out the window, what are you going to do? Because he's out there now. Now, if your Jesus is head of your life and in your life and is alive and real, then you've got to keep going on this journey till you get him, you know, till he works through you and stuff like that. In other words, let, let him be real. Uh, um, and that's a powerful full thing. And, and when you get in legalism, because one way they keep members or keep people is by threatening them. Okay. Oh, yeah. And so, and even if, even when you get clear of that, sometimes that's, that psychology of doubt still hangs back there and some of them come up every now and again. One of the damaging points one of the many damaging points is that, and I see it a lot, especially when it comes to, to near death, as you did, you know, say, ask me, am I, if, if, if I did good and, and if I have loved God properly and if everything lines up in the universe and in God's universe and, and if everybody else is in heaven is on a good day, then I, I, I think I'm, I'm good. <laughs> okay. And so... You have to ask yourself, how does that sound to somebody who's not a Christian that's thinking exactly. about faith? What's the point? Yeah, how does that sound to them? You mean, especially if that person looks at you and say, you're the best Christian I know. You've given all this to me. And you're saying, I'm, you, you know, I believe I'm in, but I, 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 I may have done something, uh, sure, but I keep repenting. You know, I, I may. And, I, and, uh, and that's the damaging part of any faith tradition that has that component stuck in that legalism you know, is that you get that instead of being assured that God's got me by his, his grace. I have some bad days, I have some good days, but God, you remember, the, he said, Lord, I, all those you put in my hand, I have, I've got them. I've mm -hmm. got them. They are, they are mine. I'm going to bring them through. And I hate that. And the closer that person is to you, the more you're going to see some hurt in it, especially if they really believe it. Uh, uh, is, is that, you, you know, they're, they're entering this dark time when they should be rejoicing in Jesus. In other words, okay, you know. Like when you see a person, I'm ready for Christ to come. And I've seen a lot of them, I'm ready. Yeah. I'm ready, I'm ready to, to go. And then the other ones are, you know, and, and you're, you're praying about them in a whole different kind of way because, because that doubt now is starting to turn against them, you know. Yep. And, uh, you know, and so th that's a critical thing to, you know, to help people to allow God to be God and to allow him to minister his word in this world um, without us uh, co-opting it for our particular purpose to do something particular that we need to do with it or want to do is we always got to be open to let God keep looking at ourselves as we talk about our word. What is God doing? And let him do that. And that I think that's important. It, it is. And we've only got about five or six minutes. But since you brought up throwing Jesus out the window, <laughs> we, I think we need to, because you and I are in the same place on this, we need to make sure that all of you understand what we mean recently a person placed on hospice looked at me and told me that you know they think that they're saved because they they've lived their life being faithful to the bible and immediately that that hit me because that's actually this person lived their life being faithful to jesus mm -hmm. now some people will say well then you're denigrating the bible you're you're no 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 the bible points you to jesus you follow Jesus. What we do with the Bible sometimes is legalistic, divisive, 
Um, it attacks other people because they do not track with us on all of these things. We hold councils. We disfellowship other people. We put different signs out in the front of our buildings. We do all of these things because of that. If you just read the words of Jesus long enough, I think you're prepared to read the rest of the Bible. Uh, now in Scotland, you got more sheep than people. And they're, they're back in bumper sticker days, they used to have to, uh, stickers to that effect. Uh, when the sheep are released, they don't have a pen to be in because the soil is not incredibly rich. They have to go wide and far and wide. And, and they are marked in a variety of ways. But um, you know, Jesus will talk about, I'm the shepherd and the sheep know my voice. If you go into places where you can still walk out and talk and call, sheep learn to come to the right shepherd. In Scotland, they actually know the sound of the different Land Rovers. Uh, which is a, a, an old British 4x4. <laughs> Most of them are pretty ratty, and they take them out in the field, and that shepherd's Land Rover doesn't sound like this one, and the sheep will start coming to the sound of the Land Rover. Well, are we opposed to shepherds and Land Rovers? No, 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 no. That's the, the point is, hear Jesus. Now, if your preacher, let's say, is preaching from Ezekiel or Hebrews, it doesn't really matter. If what he is saying and how he is saying it, you can't imagine that coming out of the mouth of Jesus, then turn to Jesus. Because he may be majoring on the Bible, not on the shepherd. He's on the Land Rover, not on the shepherd. You know, Land Rover just brings a shepherd to you. Now pay attention to the shepherd. Um, again, that's, any illustration we, we do is going to be kind of, inadequate but both of you and I have seen the damage done by people who use the Bible as a legal text and read it with modern eyes and then enforce their interpretation upon others as a man recently said uh, those people who say they the Bible is to be taken literally true are really saying my interpretation of the Bible is to be taken as the only interpretation and that was a hard thing to hear, but he was right. You know, come to Jesus. If you can't imagine Jesus doing it, then don't you. But when it comes to doubts, um, do I welcome them? No, but you know, I do welcome the questions. Mm -hmm. I think God's able to handle any question we bring to him. Mm -hmm. um, and if we bring our conflicts to him, uh, I think they'll be sorted out a lot sooner than if we use the Bible as a legal text to try to find it. So the sword of the spirit, we try to make it the hammer of God. Mm -hmm. But I think I'm, I'm kind of spinning my wheels here. We've got a, a couple more minutes if you want to land the plane. or uh, Jesus is, he's, he's okay <laughs> with you expressing your frustrations to him. Even your, even your frustrations of him mm -hmm. to, to him. Uh, um, he, he's not going to write you off, nor are you going to fall off. And I'm using that in the current vernacular as to what it means. Right. You know, you're not going to fall off. Um, because that's what Jesus does, and that's what he's about. And he knows. Um, I believe it's in Psalms. He said, I know your frame. You know, I, I, I built you. I, 139. Yeah. Yep. I, I put you together. I, I know exactly what's going on in, inside. And you're not going to rattle him but it's therapy 
for each in individual. And there are times when you're not going to be happy. Even when you do the right thing, you're not going to be happy because a pers this person made me mad. Or either they hurt me, they really hurt me. And they didn't have to, or they didn't care anything about me. Or this, whatever it is, you take it to him. And he, he understands more than that. You're allowing him to be your therapist also. There you are. Which, uh, <laughs> which is extremely you know, important because there's some things that you don't want to say to a person because you don't ever you don't ever want them to come out of your mouth toward that person but you are in the position where you have just had it you know mm -hmm. and i i can remember <laughs> person at a time when when I, I i went to the i drove to a park and i went to i drove as high far up in the park as i could you, you know, and then when I got past that, I hiked all the way up to as high as I could. And then I started shouting about the problem. I was because <laughs> there, wow. there was nobody out there. And I and, and I just need and I was really I was mad. I was and I didn't, you know, and I didn't want to embarrass myself around other people. And I didn't want to. But I, you know, and I can remember children. I went after, but after it was all over, I felt good. <laughs> wow. And that may have been, too. I was up there and I felt like I was closer there. I was whatever. But I felt better. You, you know, I said, you know, and I didn't have to take any medicine. You, you know, I didn't, <laughs> you know, I didn't, I didn't have to go, you, you know, I, right. I mean, and I was, I was good. I was good. And I came back down, you know, back and I'm, you know, smiling. See, like my that, luck so. after I'd done all that, I'd walked around a corner and there's a, a camp meeting revival, revival. of people I know, right. <laughs> uh, but I guess we'll close it by saying, I, I saw an interview with Billy Graham where he was asked by the interviewer, did he have any doubts? And he said, since the day he was saved until then, and I believe he was in his eighties or so then. He said, I've not had one doubt. Now, I can't say that. I'm not sure I can say that over a period of weeks or months. But what I can say is that I am saved. Mm -hmm. That God does love me, even if I don't feel like I'm being loved. So um, these, they're learning, but they're not going to get it either. They're not going to be perfect either. Mm -hmm. So... We don't bind perfection on anyone. And your, your doubts are welcome here. Your questions are welcome here. Let's wrap it up. And next week, we will launch ourselves into chapter five, which are two massively important, fascinating stories. So who knows how long it's going to take us to get through those. Thank you, brother. All right. You Thank as well. You. Cheers.